we all make mistakes, decisions that we regret, things we'd like to do over, like not buying Bitcoin when you first heard about it at $1. We all carry around different stresses, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. At times, therapy has helped me and my loved ones in many ways. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major traumas. With the right guide, you can discover effective strategies to minimize distractions and truly connect with your needs, setting the stage for a more balanced life. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge take a moment visit betterhelp.com slash gold today to get 10 percent off your first month that's betterhelp help.com slash gold let's talk finance wouldn't it be convenient to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one spot yahoo finance does just that it consolidates your portfolio views and offers expert analysis making it easier to manage your investments Let's not beat around the bush. You want to grow your portfolio, fight inflation, pay off debts, and achieve financial freedom. Yahoo Finance provides the news, data, and tools to make that happen. You may think you've covered all the bases, savings, researching, and investing smartly. But to truly excel, you need Yahoo Finance in your corner. A holistic perspective is crucial for success, and Yahoo Finance ensures you have it. With a massive community of over 90 million users monthly, Yahoo Finance is here to guide you on your path to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. The Peter Schiff Show. Well, today we got the non-farm payroll report for the month of June. And remember, the last two reports were quite weak. And everybody was hoping for a rebound in June to kind of prove that April and May were a fluke and not a new trend. And so they were hoping for some validation. In fact, the Fed talked about that in their last FOMC minute meetings. So the consensus was for 180,000 jobs to be created. And the range went from a low of 130,000 to as high as 235,000. That's where all the forecasts were. So nobody thought it would be worse than 130,000. But nobody thought it would be better than 235,000. And the consensus average of that range was 180,000. And the actual number came out at 287,000, over 100,000 jobs above the consensus. And what, 30, 40,000 jobs above the highest estimate by the most optimistic uh, analyst as to what the, the numbers would be. Now, we did revise down the really bad number from May and made it even worse, right? Initially, that number was 38,000 jobs, and now we know it was just 11,000 jobs. So about 70% of the jobs disappeared. Now, I have a pretty good feeling that one of the reasons the number was so high is because it's just wrong. And we'll see what kind of revision we get to this number next month. But for now, the number is 287,000. Remember, A good chunk of those numbers, as is the case every single time we get numbers, 
is the numbers that the government, the jobs the government just assumes were created, but it has no evidence that they actually were. That is uh, the birth-death model, right? The government just assumes that every month new businesses are formed and that those new businesses are hiring people. Well, I would suggest that far fewer businesses are actually being formed than they believe. In fact, it's possible that more businesses are shutting down than are hiring. And given the economy and given the minimum wage, I would say that those businesses that are starting up are probably hiring fewer people than they might have done historically. So I think these guesstimates are wildly optimistic and skewing all of the numbers. But let's get down to the other numbers. Uh, Unemployment rate, which was 4.7 last month, was expected to notch up to 4.8. Instead, it notched up even higher to 4.9. Fed can't be happy about that. I mean, maybe we'll get over 5%. Uh, private payrolls, which were supposed to rise by 170,000, jumped by 265. But last month, they revised the 25,000 gain to a $6,000 loss, 6,000 loss rather. So we actually lost 6,000 private sector jobs in May. Theoretically, we gained 265,000 in June. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how this holds up. Why did the uh, unemployment rate move up? Well, because the labor force participation notched up from 62.6 to 62.7. Obviously, not all the people who rejoined the labor force could find jobs, and that's why the unemployment rate notched up from 4.7 to 4.9. Average hourly earnings were supposed to rise by 0.2. Again, they disappointed. They rose by just 0.1. So overall, you know, a mixed picture, but the headline number, the 287 versus 180 consensus, that's normally the number that the market trades off and that is exactly what happened as soon as the market the number came out we had a big jump in the dollar index and we had a big sell-off in gold gold was down about maybe 22 bucks it was around unchanged uh, when the number came out and silver sold off it was down about 40 or 50 cents it too had been about unchanged and the dollar index spiked uh, to up, I don't know, maybe 40 or 50. Uh, that was the, the knee-jerk reaction. Strong dollar, weak gold, weak silver. Why? Why was that the reaction? Well, because a strong jobs number, well, that means the Fed is more likely to raise rates, right? Right? Strong jobs number. And that is the reaction, or oh, rate hike is coming, good for the dollar, bad for gold. But what did I say on Wednesday's podcast? I said that it didn't matter what this number was, that gold wasn't going to go down. And the reason I said that, now I said if it was a weak number, I expected a big rally. If it was a really bad number, I think gold would have been up tremendously on the day. But I also said if it's a strong number, I said I don't think it's going to hurt gold. Now, earlier in the year, a strong number would crush gold. The reason I said I didn't think it would hurt anymore is because I don't think anybody's going to buy that anymore. I think, you know, Yellen has cried wolf far too many times for the villagers to believe her now. I said that what's going on, and based on the last FOMC minutes, I don't care what this jobs number is. We could have created half a million jobs. The Fed ain't going to raise rates. It doesn't even matter. So whether they revise them or not, this number was meaningless. Because the Fed isn't raising rates because of jobs. Jobs have nothing to do with it. Jobs are the excuse. The Fed can't raise rates now because of the fragility in the banking system, all the things that were revealed by the Brexit. So 
it doesn't really matter. The Fed doesn't want to admit that, but that's the reality. And the market is sensing that. And that's why right away, uh, probably within the first hour, gold reversed all of its losses. I think it rose to up about nine bucks. Then it kind of ping-ponged around, but finished the day up over $5. It closed up $5.60, 13.6540, the highest close of the year on a day where we had a huge beat in the non-farm payrolls. Silver had an even more impressive reversal, rallied over a buck. Silver closed up 61 cents to $20.25. I think that's also the highest close uh, in New York, highest on a daily, weekly. Stocks really broke out. Of course, uh, gold and silver stocks did even better, particularly silver stocks. But the GDX was up just over 30% today to close at 30 dollars and 54 cents that's not quite the highest close of the year we closed a little higher on on wednesday but we're right up there although many many gold and silver stocks particularly silver stocks hit 52 week highs today but there are a number of gold stocks that hit 52 week and it's not just 52 weeks you're talking about two or three year highs and the trajectory is improving now the overall stock market was also up the nasdaq was up just under 80 points that's a move of 1.6 percent higher the Dow was up 250, 1.4%. We have now recovered all, all of the Brexit losses. Uh, the Dow now back above 18,000 at 18,146. Of course, the foreign markets have done so much better than the U.S. markets, particularly the markets that I'm involved in, and particularly the stocks that we own. We are so far above where we were before Brexit. We didn't just catch up. We went way, be- way beyond where we were. But if you listen to the news tonight when they talk about the stock market, you know what they're going to say? They're going to say the market rallied because of the strong jobs numbers, that this shows that the economy is back, that the last two months were a fluke, and we have strong job gains, and that's why the market rallied. And that's not why the market rallied. The market rallied because the strong numbers didn't produce a reaction in the bond market. In fact, the bond market, after a knee-jerk spike up in yields and down in bond prices, bonds reversed, and the 10-year ended up uh, with, a, with a decline. The yields closed at 2, oh, this is the 30-year, 2.1 on the 30-year. That's a lo- new low for the year, and the 10-year went da- uh, down as well. The yields went down to 1.367. So the reason the stock market went up is because the strong jobs number does not mean the Fed is going to raise rates. Because it doesn't matter what the jobs numbers are. The Fed can't raise rates, and that's what the markets are sensing. And that's why they went up. Not because the economy is good, because the the Fed can't raise rates, and that means more air in the bubble. Because just because we got a good report today, which is not really good, even, you know, superficially it's mixed because of the unemployment rate and the, the average wages. But who's to say that this number isn't a fluke? Yeah, we had two really bad numbers. And now we have one big number. Maybe this, maybe June is the fluke. Maybe July is another lousy number like, like May. We don't know that yet. I mean, this isn't enough data to, to invalidate. In fact, if you smooth it out and look at the last three months, we created 140,000 jobs on average. That's not good. And the unemployment rate is now moving up. So the news isn't really good. But the traders did not react to this the way they had in the past. And I said on the podcast Wednesday that this would be a test of my theory. I said that I said if we get a strong number and gold doesn't sell off, right, then 
my theory is right. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, forget about the knee-jerk reaction because the minute the traders see that big print, everybody hits sell. But the fact that the buying came in, particularly in silver, I think 100% validates what I say. You know, all you, uh, you know, trolls that, you know, come on my uh, YouTube channel and say Peter Schiff never gets anything right. I mean, look, obviously I got this right. Not that many people said that. People were probably surprised that gold rallied today. In fact, if I told somebody, if they had inside information, if they knew what the number was, they would have bet it was going to be, gold would be down. Now, of course, it was down for a brief period of time, but probably most traders, I said, if I said, hey, this is what the non-farm payroll number is going to be, do you want to buy gold or sell gold? And you can't, you, you know, you have to stay in until the close. Most people would have said, oh, yeah, yeah, let me get short. You know, I'm going to make money. And they would have been wrong. But I had a pretty good idea that this was exactly what was going to happen. Now, had it been a really weak number, I think we would have had a much bigger move up in gold. But the fact that we moved up on a strong number, this shows you that I believe that my thesis is correct. And also, there's an old uh, trading expression on Wall Street. You know, if something won't go down on bad news, that's very bullish, right? This was bad news for gold, and it rallied anyway. This was bad news for silver, and we had over a $1 reversal. What does that tell you about the underlying strength in this market and the fact that a lot of people are still yet to get on board? There are a lot of buyers out there. They still haven't got filled. This is early, early in this rally, and I think we're just going to continue to gain momentum as the, the weeks and months pass. Uh, and so, you know, stay on board. You know, don't uh, don't get off. You know, by the way, you know, we are having a webinar. Don't forget, if you are a managed money client of Europe Pacific Capital, we're having our quarterly webinar on Monday. So make sure and register for that if you haven't done that. You know, the last two meetings, the one I had, the webinars I had in January and the one I had in April, I was pounding the table for people to add to their accounts. I mean, I, I really, I mean, that was the first time I'd done that because if you go back and listen to my older webinars, uh, you know, from 2015 and, and 2014, I, yes, I said, you know, you should buy in. I don't know where the bottom is. I'm confident we're going to turn around at some point. I can't tell you when. I don't know where the bottom is. I just think it's going to turn. And when it does, it's going to be a huge move. But by January, I was very convinced the bottom was in. And I was like, say, you got to add, you got to take advantage of this. And of course, we've had these huge rallies in both the first and second quarter. The third quarter is actually getting off to a stronger start than the first and the second. And, and so I'm going to be doing the same thing again on Monday. I'm going to pound that table even harder. Again, people have got to act while they still have an opportunity. Was it better to act in January? Absolutely. Was it better to act in April? Yeah, not as good as January, but still good. Now, if you missed April, well, now it's July. But you know what? I think July is going to be better than waiting till October. But you know what? The people that wait till October, they should still buy in October because it'll be even higher by January of next year. This is a complete re-rating of an investment thesis that was totally wrong. And as I said, as this blurry picture comes into focus, as more and more people could make out what it actually says, and they have to go and readjust their investment themes and theses, they're going to be coming over to my side because I saw this picture clear as day when all it was was a fog. Nobody had any idea what they were looking at. They were, they, they were looking at a mirage, but I knew exactly what it was, and I think this is, is going to completely uh, validate what I've been saying the past couple of years. Let's look a little bit more closely again at these uh, jobs that were created. Again, you know, the bulk of these jobs are service sector jobs, education and healthcare, care, uh, leading the pack 
uh, on job creation, 59,000 jobs. And again, a lot of these jobs in healthcare are, you know, people that clean the toilets and empty the bedpans, you know, and same thing in the education. There's a lot of uh, those type of jobs there. Leisure and hospitality, big, big move, 59,000 jobs. Those are the waiters and the bartenders. And, of course, you know they're all part-time. No one's hiring full-time waiters anymore. Um, information did add some jobs, 44,000. Retail trade, another low wage. You know, the, the, the person that rings a cash register, you know, 29,900. A government added 22,000 jobs, complete waste. And that's the big thing. Then, you know, you, temporary help was 15. Financial, 16,000. Manufacturing somehow managed 14,000. I bet they revised that down. I, I, I'm very suspicious of those manufacturing jobs. I mean, unless they're counting manufacturing hamburgers or something. Uh, but wholesale trade barely gained any, 3.6. And, of course, we lost jobs in mining and logging, and we lost a bunch of jobs in transportation and warehousing. But where it really gets bad is on the demographics. Right? Look at the age group. For workers 55 and older, the ones that Janet Yellen keeps talking about how they're retiring, and that's why the labor force participation rate is down. Those guys added 259,000 jobs, 55 and older. The next category is workers between 25 and 54. And in that category, there was a gain of 28,000 jobs. So the 55 and older, those guys, that category, 259,000. And the 25 to 54-year-olds, they gained 28,000 jobs. But now let's look at the 20 to 24-year-olds. What happened to, to those guys? They lost 67,000 jobs. And the 16 to 19-year-olds lost 40,000 jobs. So if you add those two together, you're talking about over 100,000 jobs lost, 107,000 jobs for people between the ages of 16 and 24. Now, why do you think that's happening? Why do you think so many young people are losing their jobs? Hey, maybe it's that minimum wage, right? The minimum wage just got jacked up all over the country. What demographic group is going to be the most affected by a higher minimum wage? The young people, the people that have less skills. See, the younger you are, the, the fewer your skills, right? Because you gain skills with experience. And you gain experience as you get older and you have more time on the job. So it makes perfect sense in a rising uh, minimum wage environment that you'd see a lot of young people losing their jobs. And in fact, you know, if I've got a choice between hiring an ex-engineer who's 65, 70 years old, who's taking a part-time job because he's coming out of retirement, if I can take that guy versus a 19-year-old who's never had a job, you know, and it's the same pay, if I'm going to pay minimum wage to somebody, it might as well be the engineer, right? I mean, I might as well hire that guy, uh, then take a chance on an unknown quantity. So the problem is these uneducated or unskilled young people can't compete with their better-skilled grandparents for these lousy minimum wage jobs. That is the reality. You know, and these guys that are 60, 65, that are coming out, getting these low-paying jobs, they don't want these jobs. That's the last thing they want to work, do is work. They want to retire. They want to enjoy their retirement because, you know, I mean, how much time do they have left, right? They want to, uh, you know, reap some of the rewards. They want to 
you know, play golf and they want to, you know, spend time with their grandchildren or, you know, travel, see the world. That's what they want to do. They don't want to be greeting people at Walmart or cooking French fries at McDonald's. You know, that's not what they want to do. But unfortunately, that's what they have to do. But because your grandfather is cooking French fries, he just took your job and now you don't have it. That's the problem. And now you don't have your entry-level job to learn how to do something more. You can see this in the demographics, but nobody wants to look at it. They all want to look at, oh, you know, we're creating all these jobs. No, we're not. You know, this is all an illusion. This is all a statistical barrage. And you know what? The markets are seeing through it because bond prices rose. Yields went down. Gold went up. Silver went up. The market went up. Why? Because the game is up, right? It's all about cheap money. It's all about printing money. The only question is, when is the Fed going to fess up to what it's actually going to do? And we'll see what happens when we get the jobs report next month. As I said, I expect this big number to be revised down. It still may be a big number, but it won't be nearly this big. And, of course, then we can get a rotten number uh, in, in, for July, you know, maybe we'll get a negative number. I mean, I think we're going to print a negative non-farm payroll number sometime between now and the end of the year. We came damn close, right? Last month, now that we got the revisions, we were very, very close uh, to a, a, a negative number. And so we could be there. And in fact, I mentioned the private sector number was negative for the month. We did lose private sector jobs. And so because we gained a few government jobs, we, we, were, we were positive. But of course, you know, we're better off without those government jobs. Those government jobs just get in the way. Uh, we all have to pay their salaries. And generally what they're doing just makes us all less productive. So we lose twice. Once when we have to pay them and twice when the work that they're doing just makes everybody else less productive. So it's a double whammy every time the government hires somebody. The relief is when they fire somebody because now we don't have to pay their salary. And now maybe they can get a job that actually is productive and adds to our collective uh, standard of living instead of uh, subtracts from it. Let me just make one uh, brief announcement. I don't want to talk a lot about it because I recorded an entire uh, one-hour video, which will be up on my YouTube channel and also on the Shift Gold website, uh, the Gold webcast uh, by Saturday, by tomorrow. It's an hour interview, so if it's a rainy day, you know, check it out. Uh, you know, I think it'll be entertaining. But what happened is I decided after months of negotiations and contemplation to merge my gold company, form a joint venture with gold money, which is still the, the, the name of the company is now BitGold, but they are going to be renamed Gold Money, which is the name of Jim Kurtz company, which they bought uh, last year. But, uh, you know, I, I had initially been skeptical of the company and I had been critical of some of the things they were doing just from my vantage point. I really didn't know. I, I mean, obviously, I liked the idea because it was something that I had been thinking about doing myself and I was already partially doing with my offshore bank. But, you know, eventually struck up a relationship with Roy Sabag, who was one of the co-founders who had reached out to me after a critical article that I published and uh, even a podcast that I did. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of very informative discussions. And it turns out that a lot of the criticism I had, I think once I found out a little bit more, I think I was I was off base on, on, on a lot of it, not all of it, but most of it. <laughs> uh, but a couple of things that I was right, you know, he conceded and he made some changes in, uh, you know, and he's improving uh, the service. So but we we discovered we had a lot in common. And so we I went for this merger. And so what's going to happen is uh, Shift Gold is basically going to be the physical arm, the physical division of gold money. See, what gold money mainly deals with is having your gold stored by a third party 
and it is accessible through a debit card or through direct payments. I can pay gold uh, to other people. I can be paid in gold and I can pay in gold. And it's a platform so that gold can be used as money without the governments having to uh, create gold money. It's a free market alternative. And I think it's a great platform. I think it's a great idea. And I think the company is going to achieve a, a massive degree of success, especially now that I'm going to be a part of it. But of course, people are still going to want physical gold. People are still going to want gold and silver coins and bars delivered that they can have in their possession. And anybody who wants to do that is now going to be doing that through Shift Gold, which is going to be owned by Gold Money and operated through this joint venture partnership between me and gold money that has been formed. And, you know, in exchange, I got some stock in, in gold money and some warrants and all that. And, and so I think it's going to be a great deal. I think it's going to be a win for customers of both companies. But particularly from my vantage point, my customers of Shift Gold, uh, I think your experience is going to be uh, even better in the future. You're going to continue to enjoy the same high quality of customer service that you get now with your physical gold, but you're just going to be able to overlay uh, some of the other products from Gold Money, and Gold Money is going to help uh, make my whole ordering process more efficient, drive down some of our costs, which can only benefit our customers. So I would encourage everybody to, to spend an hour. It's it's me and and Josh Crum, who is the co-founder of, of, of the company. And it's the two of us. We have a great discussion. It's about an hour long. We talk about our vision, our plans for the future, uh, both the companies, how we started and, and what we're hoping to accomplish, and mainly to reassure all of the Shift Gold customers that whatever it is that they like about my company and almost all of our sales now are repeat business. business. We have customers buying over and over again at Shift Gold and just want to assure everybody that all of the things that you like about my gold company are not going to change. They're just going to get better. Today's financial advisors behave like pro-wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. They may be oblivious, but the danger is real. Looking beyond the media hype can open a world of broader investing ideas. Euro-Pacific Capital is a registered investment advisor that offers stock-focused wealth management services that closely follow the strategy of our founder and CEO, Peter Schiff. We concentrate on those countries that are more closely in tune with Peter's vision of how capitalism is supposed to work. And these investments are not hard to find, provided you know where to look. Isn't it time you change the channel and let Euro-Pacific put a little reality back into your portfolio? If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800-727-7922. That's 800-727-7922. Non-U.S. residents access similar strategies through Euro-Pacific Bank at europacbank.com. Euro-Pacific Capital and Euro-Pacific Bank are affiliated companies.